So this is not my favorite film of all time, obviously. But if you ask me today, what is the best, best, whatever that means, movie I've ever seen? Uh, it's my number seven movie, Schindler's List. Nice. Which I believe Jake had as well. Um, yes, yes. Okay. Nice. I rewatched this. I rewatched this last night because I wanted to see if I could come up with anything to say about it. Uh, because I, I am just generally just filled with awe and speechless um, at how brilliantly put together this movie. I mean, again, I say it's probably the best movie I've ever seen. At the very least, I think it is. This is what movies can be at their very best. And it, it is, you know, it takes this story of this guy. I mean, Steven Spielberg didn't even know who this guy was until one of the survivors came to him and was like, hey, or, you know, put the story out there. Or the book was published is what it was. The, bu the book got published. He read the book and he was like, well, this is crazy. Um, and, you know, Putting, putting that story on, on screen, you know, depicting the darkest moment in human history, quite possibly. And Spielberg has said that he he wanted it to be unflinching. And the, the thing which really um, got him to decide that he was ready to make this movie was he, that Holocaust deniers started springing up more and more at the time when, you know, this movie was going to be made. And he felt like I need to make this movie now at this particular time. And I need to be as unflinching as possible in the way that I depict the, the Holocaust. And it's crazy, right? This is Steven Spielberg. This is the guy who directed Indiana Jones, Jurassic park. Um, you know, that he's the crowd pleaser. Um, and this is, but Schindler's list is the argument for him as an incredible filmmaker. Like those movies are, he he's great at doing, he's great at making movies. This is, him making a film. Uh, this is, you know, this is the greatest argument for him as a filmmaker, I think. Um, it's just every little, like it, it is, it is the perfect example of a movie where it is long. Obviously it's over three hours, but every single moment matters and every single moment without it, Oscar Schindler's arc, which is the heart of the movie, like just doesn't make any sense. Like he goes from, you know, at this, he's a, he's, you know, a full blown member of the Nazi party who starts this whole project just as a cash grab. And, you know, by the end, he's on the train tracks weeping, saying, I wish I could have saved more um, of the Jews. You have to have every little moment of that transition or else it's too fast. It's too rushed. It doesn't make sense. Um, so like, you know, I love the scene, like the very first uh, time, like when the one armed man comes in to talk to him at the factory and is like so appreciative of the opportunity that he's given him. And, you know, it's just thanking him over and over again. And, Oscar Schindler just like he doesn't know how to react to that because he doesn't see these people as people and he like yells at Ben Kingsley and is like don't ever do that again like don't ever bring anyone in here to talk to me again uh, and that's but he goes from that again at the end to like um, you know he's so he's so caring like he wish he wishes he could have saved more of them that scene is like the start of it and then we just see you know all these little moments throughout the movie the scene with the hose i think that's the scene where it's really the turning point when he starts giving all of them water that's the scene where he crosses over from being like he's trying to convince goth ray finds his character that hey actually it makes sense from your perspective to try and save you know as many jews like he's trying to like get, meet him on his level and get him to save jews that's the point where he's like i don't care what kind of like i'm i'm you know, getting rid of this facade that I've been putting up. I, I'm just going to, these people need water and I'm going to make sure they get water. Um, 
And then the ending is, yeah, I mean, the last 15 to 20 minutes is the most powerful stretch of film I've ever seen. Um, watching it for the first time, I was at, here at my parents' house, actually, watching it on my computer, and I was sitting in my living room, and nobody else, like, knew what I was watching. And I was trying to, like, hold it together like, <laughs> for so long at the ending. And right at that, the end, right when they have all gone off of the, the train and they're w just walking across the field, and there's the little text of, like, talking about the tree that they planted for Schindler. And then it says it grows there still. And I was like, okay, I did it. I made it to the end. And then it like crosses over into color and you see all of the real people there. And I just like on a couch at my house, just like burst out crying. And all, my family all started looking at me like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> uh, and I was like, I just need a minute. Um, this movie is, yeah, again, I've said, I think I've said all I could possibly say. I just am in, in complete awe of anyone who could say anything eloquent about this movie. It's, it is a capital M masterpiece. Scott, I think you uh, said that uh, this is a movie where every little moment matters and, uh, and that, that, and to tie it to that ending where uh, the, the theme of the movie really ends up being uh, that every person matters and that the the value of a single human life is immeasurable and that uh just uh saving one person and, and uh i think that the latter half of spielberg's career is a he hits on that theme over and over and over again with something like uh saving private ryan where they uh the the whole movie is about saving one uh guy getting him back to his mother and um i, I tried to to uh, Minority Report is about um, uh, this. This I had it on my list earlier, but it's about uh, getting crime before it happens. And and what if that went wrong once? That's one human life. That and and you see this over and over again, where it's like it's not worth one human life. Like nothing is worth one human life. Uh, the way that Spielberg sees it, and he's making art about that. And uh, I, I was mentioning this to my friend that, that they should one of my other friends, a uh, different friend that I mentioned earlier, they should check this movie out. And they're like, I don't want to watch some like misery porn or whatever. And I'm like, you are totally wrong about what this yeah. movie is then, because this is that it, miraculously, this movie is the opposite. Uh, there's one sequence in particular, I think where um, there's, there's comedy in this movie. There's good comedy in this movie in the darkest moments. Um, there's a, a, a moment where um, this, uh, I guess it's implied to be this richer Jewish man is being moved into, out of his house and into this ghetto. And he turns to his wife and he's like, how could this get any worse? And then like five other families. people walk in. <laughs> yeah, they walk in and it's like, that's a comedy. That's a punchline to this man's misery. And it's like, you put this in a Holocaust movie. And forever, uh, since Jerry Lewis, the day the clown cried, they've been trying to do that. And Spielberg does it like nothing. Just, ah, yeah, he knows exactly what he's doing. There's even a, a, a moment, um, he understands that, uh, you always hear comedians talking, oh, Jordan Peele understands horror and comedy are so close. But there, there's a moment where um, uh, they have a, a lineup of, of um people and uh, one of the nazis is, is shooting them and they're he's like fine i'm gonna shoot anyone until they admit who it was and he shoots someone and then he asks the little kid he's like okay uh, i'm gonna shoot another person unless you tell me who it was and he points to the dead body and it's like this moment of release where you're like clever fucking kid even though you mm -hmm. just saw this traumatic thing uh yeah i really fucking love this movie so yeah great pick great seven should have been higher on my list 
This movie is so difficult to talk about or to place on a list of greatest ever because it is a fantastic work of art, um, but it's so real and so raw and so visceral and such a um, a real representation of what actually happened um, that it's hard to separate from that. Um, so if you say it's your favorite movie, I'm not going to say you're wrong for that, but it's so hard to look at it as just a movie. And I'm not saying that's what you're doing, Scott or Jake, but um, it almost transcends that to the point where it's hard to talk about sure. as a movie. Um, I waited forever. I probably waited 20 years to actually sit down and watch this movie because, like you said, Scott, I was afraid of what it would do to me. Um, and the moment that got me, like I made it through the Holocaust stuff, um, but the moment that broke me was this pin. I, I'm going to break down saying it. I could have got one more. Um, mm. Just so devastating uh, because it, it's such, it shows that, you know, like Jake was saying, like the importance of the people he saved, but also the fact that there's no victory here. Like there's no way, there's no victory you could have that wins out over what happened. You know, we lost no matter, you know, what pair pirate victories we had, you know, winning the war or whatever. Um, it's just too much. Uh, but yeah, it's it's great. It's a, a fantastic film, top to bottom. I watch it once, will I ever watch it again? I don't know. Um, but not because it's not a good movie, just because of what it is. Uh, but uh, Rue and Spence on Schindler's List. Please tell me you've seen this. I got, two more I got two more years to hit the 20 because I, I haven't been able to get myself around to actually. Oh, my God. Fair enough. Jesus Go. Christ. Yeah. I, I just I, – I haven't. I've seen clips. It's, 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 for me, it's literally my dad and brother were watching this, and I was young, and I was like, no. No, I don't know. <laughs> Do you put on the YouTube? Back, I've, I've never came back around clips. Best Scott, Schindler's List. <laughs> Scott, I'm entirely with you. I think this film, like I was, I was sitting there. I was fine. Like, you know, I'm good. And then it cuts to color, and then you see everyone. And I, I don't know if they're actors. They're the real people. I was convinced they're the real people. No, it's the real people. Yeah, makes it so much worse. Putting the roses on his grave killed me because I, I think there's a tendency, or like I. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal one of Jake's weird takes for a second. Biopics <laughs> can get a little cold because you can tell they're not tell a re telling a real story. It's like, oh, okay, we're gonna movieify this, you know? We're gonna make it interesting for the screen, but the real person is just like, it's like they did one thing, we're gonna make a whole movie about them. That like, I fully like, I get how amazing Oscar Schindler was as a person because of that scene where it's not a glorified biopic. It's not just oh, hey, a dude did a thing. Let's 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 make a Let's make him celebrity. The real people you photograph and you show, like the effect and how many people he saved, and it broke me down. This is an, this is an incredible film. I will never understand putting it on like a, on like a favorites list because I can't put myself through watching this again. But like ten out of ten movie. All right, uh, Spence is going to take us to your number seven. About to cut out, so we're going to see how this goes. <laughs> your glows all the goodwill. Sweeney Todd, the demon. Ooh, you suck. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, Coho. This is like, okay. Here's my weird thing with this. This is quite possibly like my favorite story told across mediums. 
of just like I think it's an incredible just original like book poem story all of that good shit adapted into an incredible play into an incredible musical into an incredible film every step along the way I am so engaged and so fucking loving every part of this story truly fuck you Holtzman like questioning the morality <laughs> of human beings like what will you do to, to like to succeed in life but like what, what to you is too far of betraying human nature and I, I, I think that fucking Benjamin Barker, just Sweeney Todd as a character, is such an engaging and interesting lead. Because, again, like, just this, you've done the most fucked up thing a human could. Like, you are feeding a human another human. And you're just like, you know what? It's fine. I, I, I think it's incredible. All the music in here is great. I, I, people like slag uh, Depp and Carter for, like, being, like, not good singers. I think they're insane. I love their voices in this. I, I I prefer the Broadway version most of the time, but I still think that they are both incredible at like like portraying these characters. And especially, um, I'm forgetting what song it is, but it's where like Swinney first finds his razors again, and you can see him just like cold, dispassionate. He's like, I have found my one true purpose in life to get revenge. And Mrs. Lovett just like pining after me in the corner of just like anything you say, anything you want, Mr. Todd, of just she is so heavy heels in love with him that she can't even see what he's looking at. And, he's, and she thinks he's talking about her. It's incredible. Sondheim is maybe the greatest composer in Broadway history. I love everything he's touched. I I adore this. And shout out to this. I, I, I'm, I, I've... I used to be very hard on myself, like, I shouldn't like this. I should do the Broadway version. I have seen two versions on Broadway, and I love every single adaptation for different reasons. Namely, like, I think it's a great way to, like, you can you can tell, like, the tone of the show through the Mrs. Lovitz. To the point that I wrote a my, my final, like, semester end paper on the theory of adaptation with this. And it made me love it so much more. I'm going to put it on the Facebook post for this so if anyone wants to read it. But I am emphatically in love with Sweeney Todd across every medium. This is my shit 24-7. Man, we were doing good. <laughs> I mean, we talked about, what, like 13 movies now? They were all at least decent. Uh, then we get to Sweeney Todd. Um, yeah, I mean, the story might be good. The stage play, there might be a lot of good things around this. Uh, but this movie kind of sucks. Um, it's just, I think, starts out with Burton and Depp just together one too many times, and them two doing their own little like incestuous thing, and it's it's not fun to watch. And it, I think it was a bad choice for director and star. Um, the rest of the cast isn't much better. Poor Alan Rickman, R.I.P. I oh. love the guy, uh, but he is cannot carry a tune at all. At all. It, it's just a fact, Spence. I'm not. I mean, I, I wish he. I wish he has he a range and it works. He, he, he he's terrible. And like I said, like they're all like none of them are really good. Um, and I just hate this trend in that came up like in the 2000s, like like 2010s, where it's okay to cast people who can't sing in musicals. Um, this is yeah, this is rough. Um, I just think it's uh, it's Depp doing one of those Depp like edgy characters that he does. Um, yeah, this movie really doesn't have anything going for it. Uh, I am not a fan. Everybody else on Sweetie Todd. This reminds me of when I watched Pirates on Stranger Tides because I remember going to the theater seeing it, and I remember nothing from the film. 
plain and simple. If I were if I were Spence here, I would say that this movie is just there. Um, mm. actually, actually, I wouldn't say that though if I were Spence, because if Spence only says that about good movies, um, <laughs> but this movie is I watched it one time a long time ago, kind of like Root. There's a, a few good songs in it, left no impact on me whatsoever. So seven, you do you. <laughs> Uh, Spence, I really like this movie, and let's I think, go, Jake. I think the fact that you love this movie so much means uh, I, I already, I already kind of was thinking this that you're probably gonna uh, love my number one pick when I eventually convince you to watch it because uh, there is some crossover in the, uh, uh, I, yeah, and 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 being on this show for so long and or for the the past uh, ten weeks now, um, yeah, I, I I feel like you could have been like. Um, do you think that Spence loves Sweeney Todd? And I'd be like, obviously. <laughs> like, Bro, read obvious. my paper. I fucking love this show. I, 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 I'm excited to read your paper on it. I think it's Helen Bottom <gasps> Carter's fa- best performance. I, she's incredible at, um, I think she's not only a great singer, but she's a great- Hey, Todd? What the fuck? I think she's a great sing actor. I think she's great at acting and singing at the same time, which uh, is a very difficult thing. And it's a very uh, mesmerizing thing to watch her uh, like uh, balance a performance at the same time as like carrying a note. It, it, I, I really like this movie. I, I It borders on camp, which I love. I, I It's just, I, I don't know. I don't know what people uh, have against this movie. It's the last great Burton movie, in my opinion. And part of the reason was because uh, Burton was such a Sondheim fan. He was such a fan of this musical the whole time. It feels like he was afraid to fuck this movie up. And then why did he take Why did he? I have no clips. I have no clips to describe the infuriating fucking rage I have back here. You lose. Absolutely wrong. Coho, Coho, Coho. Coho gave Jungle Cruise four stars on Letterboxd. It's a thousand times better knows. than Burton's shit pile musical, he loved, he loved Jungle Cruise. Go watch Jungle Cruise, Coho. Jungle Cruise is better than this shit fire, Crookshank. Listen. Okay, okay. Fucking, you said he loves Sondheim? He doesn't know a thing about Sondheim. He misses the point of this right. musical and makes a surface level shit if fire. If the show is over four hours, yeah. <laughs> this will have contributed. Coho can't get mad at us. Don't your nope, I already you said. If this show's over four hours, hours and it's my fault i don't care fuck this week <laughs> what is your number eight Looking like a dirty martini uh the best spider-man movie spider-man into the spider-verse yeah! Uh, yeah! um i i think that this is one of the movies that every single aspect fits each other perfectly um from the They've talked about it before. It's a comic book come to life. That animation is amazing. But then they could they could have that and not do anything with it. Uh, but it's the the timing of the voice actors is great. Every voice actor is amazing. The the story itself uh, is uh, the story itself is so good. The way to bring in all these different Spider Men and not make it feel like a gimmick and give every one of them uh, a a, ch- a chance to shine. Nicholas Cage, of course. All of every all of them. Um, every villain, every, every hero, the, um, 
the way that it actually carries out the culture of a mixed race black young man perfectly because on the you see him he's black but also making sure he speaks spanish in his home and 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 when he's speaking to his mom to show that he's also latino um and I, my, one of my favorite parts is not only the soundtrack is great but i think this is daniel pemberton put his foot in that score and the, the music is so good goes perfectly with everything um i i i think this movie is incredible um i i, I can't think of a bad thing to say about it um and the 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 subtle um uh, stanley stanley uh remembrance and and shout outs in this film are great um th this is definitely the best spider-man movie over all of them um the next live action needs to be a miles morales film um yeah i think this movie's great the animation is fantastic the way they made it look like a comic book was a little jarring at first uh but it definitely works uh all mm -hmm. the alternate universe stuff is really cool and i guess that's just what spider-man movies are now like that's what spider-man does on film uh but the uh all the different versions my favorite thing about this movie was how every like different version of spider-man maintains its own animation style throughout and um the voice cast is fantastic all you know uh all, all the different characters all the different spider-man um and just how they all interact with each other and how they're just just even like the like the the regular spider-man uh at their like different stages of their career how it keeps going back and like telling the story um it, just from those different points of view is cool um so yeah i would like this movie however uh it definitely uh it definitely suffers from a lot of overhype for me it's like number 17 overall on letterbox um, I don't think it's that good. I would say, as good as it is, I think it's one of the most overrated movies of the 2000s, uh, 2010s. Um, not because it's bad, because it's just not nearly that good. I don't think it's the best. Um, it might, it's up there for best Spider-Man. I don't think it's the best comic book movie. Um, I don't think it's the best anime movie. But it's it's good. It's really good. Um, but I can't give it all the praise uh, that it gets. Yeah, the Stanley cameo. To me, this is the last Stanley cameo. Um, he's in a couple other movies, but they're just really throwaway and in, uh, in, uh, Captain Marvel and uh, Endgame. They're just really throwaway. This one really actually felt like it meant something, especially since this movie came out, I think like two or three weeks after he passed away. Um, like I openly wept when you hear his voice. He's like, you know what? I'm really going to miss him. Uh, just took on so much more weight at that point. Um, but yeah, uh, great. Not as great as everybody else. Uh, everybody says it is. Everybody else on Spider Verse into the Spider Verse. Before y'all do, I just also had to mention. I meant to mention it. Um, the scene with Miles and his dad across the door. It mm. it's all all the feels, all the feels. Brian Ty Tyree Henry continues to need more work. What what if I was just like Spider Man is a white man? Like we, <laughs> no, <laughs> like the fact no. I just no. got angry. I was just like, wait a minute, though. No. Woke culture has gone too far. <laughs> there, there are three white men Spider-Man in this. I know. I, Congratulations. That was one of the stupidest things that I've ever seen. Oh, come on. It was, I was, I was being funny. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I fucking love this movie. Uh, I saw it with uh, my my wife. She was like, ah, "I even want to see some superhero shit." She hates all that superhero shit. Like anytime I I drag her to one, she's like mad at me. I'm like, "No, this one's different. It's like funny or whatever." And this one, uh, she was like, oh, "Let's watch that again." And I was like, "Really? Well, it's the Spider Man movie again?" And she's like, 
Yeah. And I was like, babe, like, <laughs> it's a special thing for us. And that was when you proposed, us. right now? Uh, yes. No, uh, I don't remember if we were married by then or not. I don't know, 2018. It was around then. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I really like this movie too. I uh, love how they use the uh, uh, frame rate, the different frame rates between the two uh, Spider Man. One of them's like all smooth, and one of them's. And uh, yeah, I, I often like. Um, Nice look, Jake, Kathy says. <laughs> Thanks, Kathy. Kathy's been on my ass tonight. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> um, I forget what I was going to say, but yeah, it's a great movie. The second best Spider-Man movie. Coho, join, join, join the club. Second best Spider-Man movie. I got to say, Rue. If you you know if you're gonna have comic book movies in your top ten, you're picking the right ones so far. Uh, you're, you're picking some really good ones. In fact, this almost made my top 100. It would it probably is in the next ten out. Um, so good. I don't know that I have too much more to add. Um, you know, except I think everything that Lord and Miller touch turns to gold. Um, pretty much. Uh, I, I think this has their stamp written all over it. Um, and yeah, it, it's it gets Spider Man. It absolutely gets Spider Man right. Um, I love it. Every time Scott says, Scott says he likes a superhero movie, I'm gonna tell him to get into fandom again. Uh, fun fact: I didn't like this originally. I thought it was like I was like, it's fine. It's this is Scott's like thing. He like parody, parody about me. It's there, and then I rewatched it like a, like a six month like off. I'm just like, you know what? No, this is actually like perfect. Uh, I, I think if we're talking fandom as a thing, it is the best Marvel movie. I'm not gonna include MCU, but like just like straight Marvel, number one with a bullet. The next man first class, but Spider-Verse with a bullet. Fucking amazing movie, mastering like the medium of animation, which I feel like is something we sort of throw around, but just the idea of again, like I think as you mentioned before, just like not only like messing with frame rates, but animation styles and, and, and the flow of combat is, is being determined by like the medium that they come from. It's, it's brilliant. Like genuinely, I, I have a friend who she wanted to be get, get into animation and then she saw this movie. was like, you know what? I will never do anything as good as this. It's no point. I'll be a communications major instead. Like it is that perfect of a film. All right. Uh, Jake, give us your number seven. Oh, okay, so it's like Spence picked like the Spencest movie that he has on the list at Fuck. number seven. No. I would say this is the Jakest. Oh, Kirk, would you agree that this is a Jakest movie? It's pretty <laughs> it's, it's up there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, video drum. I love the movies that uh, go meta. I pulled out my copy of a, uh, ooh, uh, of a Marshall McLuhan's uh, book, uh, Understanding Me. I'm a, as a Canadian who loves movies, lives uh, close enough to Toronto. Uh, my wife actually went to school with uh, Marshall McLuhan's daughter. Uh, I, I uh, am a huge uh, fan of his theories on um, just the, the way that uh, media was evolving. Uh, for those who don't know, the quote, the, the message is the medium is a uh, Marshall McLuhan quote that gets uh, shared a lot. And uh, one that I think, a Marshall McLuhan quote that I think is more relevant to this film is that uh, we are shaping the tools that shape us. And Cronenberg takes that to a 
uh, a body horror level to the point where um well uh l- l- let me uh back up and uh, explain the plot a-, a little bit james woods uh who um bad human being who is playing a bad human being flawlessly in this movie uh because plays he, yeah, a- he is one yeah, because he is. He's basically playing uh, Milo Yiannopoulos meets uh, P.T. Barnum in this movie, which is just James Woods. Uh, I said before that Cronenberg's great at casting, and this is flawless. Uh, so he is uh, uh, intercepting pirate signals and, and finding all of these uh, violent, uh, this violent imagery on uh, these pirate uh, video signals and programming it to his channel, which is Civic TV. The one you take to bed with you. Uh, and basically, he finds this signal that uh, seems to be influencing the, the human flesh. It seems to be um, causing physical changes to the brain. And that concept is explored to its fullest in this movie, uh, to the point where, uh, in a particularly iconic scene, uh, a, a vagina opens up in James Woods's chest. He puts his hand in, and a, a fleshy gun comes out attached to his hand. And uh, if that doesn't appeal to you, maybe don't check this movie out. But if that sounds interesting to you, definitely check out Videodrome, because it is a fucking trip. Uh, oh, I, I just also want to say there's a character uh, who is a stand-in for Marshall McLuhan, which is why I brought out my Marshall McLuhan book, uh, who uh, plays Dr. Oblivion. He says his name is Oblivion because uh, he has a screen name. We will all have screen names someday. He refuses to appear anywhere but on a screen because screens are more real than reality because they can be broadcast simultaneously to everywhere. And how do we know what is real if... Uh, if not for shared experiences. So, yeah, he basically, Marshall McLuhan basically predicted uh, a lot of things that we take for granted now about the internet. So, Kirk, why do you hate Videodrome? Um, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I don't think this is a terrible movie. Um, I think there are a lot of ideas being bounced around. And I think Cronenberg's trying to do a whole lot in 88 minutes. And it's weird to say this because usually I'm like, 88 minutes, yes, sign me up. But I feel like this movie is very, and I don't know the behind the scenes of like what the, you know, the original script was, what got cut, what, you know, what the studio did. Um, so there may have been, it feels like there's a lot of that going on because it feels like there's a lot of incomplete ideas. It feels like there's a whole like lore and mythology trying to be developed. And it kind of it gets halfway there, and then just ends. It feel, the, the 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 end of the movie feels like the start of the third act. Yeah. And, um, and I'm like waiting for more. It's like, oh, that's it. So I think I think there's a lot of interesting ideas there. Obviously, a lot of interesting visuals. Uh, but I feel like the movie just isn't do doesn't do everything uh, that it's setting out to do. I think it's putting the ideas out there, but sto- from a story standpoint, feels very incomplete. I actually understand that. Uh, anybody else got take on Videodrome? Nope. <laughs> this is pretty fucking good. Actually, no, it's not. You go first. Yeah, I like this movie. I watched it for the first time this year, and I was definitely into it. I definitely think it's ahead of its time. Um, the only other thing I'm going to say is I my I 
thought my letterbox review was pretty funny. I said, men will literally invent a mind-controlling TV program to give horny people brain tumors rather than go to therapy. That was my <laughs> opinion. Of this, movie. Uh, this is also an amazing movie that I watched uh, for the first time this year. Uh, however, Jake's right. It's a very him film, but you know what? It's a good Jake film. Uh, I... I this I, I actually the only Cronenberg before this I've seen is a history of violence and I'm just like you know what I think I'd like it and then I watch it's like oh yeah Cronenberg's my shit like I want to jump into Crash like, that's how like ready for Cronenberg I am <laughs> like I think this is incredible and for this to be like in my head is like his his big like coming out party as a filmmaker and I could be wrong I don't know his history very well but like man this is Cronenberg and I want to fucking watch Cronenberg now. <laughs> I just want to also uh, add that the uh, the score, uh, the glitchy uh, score by Howard Shore. It's like this. It's, it, it is this 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 um thing that only seems to come out of the internet. But it, it was in 1983. Pretty incredible. If you just listen to the score of this movie, it doesn't make any sense how that came out in 1983. All right, uh, chat. Tell us everybody did on their number seven. Scott had Schindler's List. Spence had Sweeney Todd. Rue had Into the Spider Verse, and Jake had Videodrome. In the meantime, we will go to Scott's number six. A big bear hug of a movie, uh, almost famous. Brother Bear, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, how, what is there to not enjoy about this movie? Um, it, it's so much fun for somebody like me who loves music, who loves the music of this era that is being depicted in um, the movie. It's just, it's catnip, really. Um, and it, yeah, it's just so many personal moments. Obviously, this was Cameron Crowe's real, um, you know, experience. He covered bands when he was the age of William in this movie. Um, and yeah, the, it, it has that personal touch that I think just takes it to another level. It, it's And it's such, you know, it, it's, it's an inviting movie about like finding your people, finding your community, um, you know, William finds you know his people amongst this this band even after he is warned that they are not um you know the people that he should trust and then you know i love the way that the movie ends up with like first of all well you think that yeah that's actually been proven true right like they he's been screwed over in the end um just as they said it was going to happen but then you know that's not the ending and um, it is actually William through his complete sincerity and, you know, innocence and whatever, who was able to win over at least Russell. Um, and the way that that comes back around is, um, you know, it, it's, it's a perfect series of scenes to end the movie. I think, um, it's really funny. Um, you know, the I'm on drugs, like when he's on the top of the roof and jumps off and I am a golden God is great. Philip Seymour Hoffman really makes the most of his, you know, a few minutes on screen. Um, one of my favorite lines is when he's on the phone to William, he calls William on the road and William is just like, you know, clearly just so swept away by the rock stars. He's just gushing about everything, blah, 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 blah. And then he like hang and, you know, he's talking to him or whatever. And Philip Seymour Hoffman just like kids on drugs and just hangs up. Uh, his delivery of the line is perfect, but um, yeah, it, it just makes it, it's just a movie that makes you feel good. Um, Kate Hudson is also also really good and a character that could have been obnoxious, annoying, um, 
but doesn't come off that way. Um, yeah, I mean, when when Zoe Deschanel says at the beginning of the movie, like, oh, you know, listen to this, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to play this song and it's going to explain to you why I left or whatever. And she plays America by Simon and Garfunkel, which we've already conversed about, uh, Kirk and I, earlier in the series. Um, it's like one of my favorite songs. One of the songs that, few songs that I have said on occasion is my favorite. Um, it's just like, it, it's always going to be a movie that ranks highly on my list. So um, I don't know that I have a lot of, you know, profound to say about it. It's just, you know, a movie that makes you feel really good and just a world that you want to be part of. <laughs> yeah, I like this movie. Um, I'm glad you rated this higher than a lot of other movies on your list. And you probably know which ones I'm talking about. Because um, <laughs> this movie, this doesn't feel like a movie that should work for me, uh, but it does. And the more I watch it, the more I like it. Um, I think like, yeah, you're right. Like these care, a lot of these characters should be obnoxious. I think like somebody, a movie like this where it's based on, you know, personal experience of when they're young could be very, you know, schmaltzy and overly nostalgic and kind of just like self, uh, you know, self-serving. And it doesn't come off that way at all. I mean, may, maybe a little overly nostalgic at points, but it's it's not like self-serving. It feels like all the characters feel real. Kate Hudson's really good. It's a shame that like she never went anywhere from this except on a bunch, a bunch of like really awful rom-coms. Um, you know, if she, she would have... the um, other woman. <laughs> if... Um, <laughs> You know, like like she she just showed so much potential in this movie, and again, like that that character should kind of suck. It's all, some of these characters should not be good, but they're all like you you just cling to all of them. I love um, uh, Francis McDormand as mother, and like that's another character and, J- where, and Jason Lee also. Yeah, yeah. but she she her character could very much be like just like that overbearing, obnoxious, one note parent. Um, but she's very like. You, you 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 feel for her and you understand her and you take her side a lot of stuff and you see a lot of points she's right. Um, so yeah, totally. this is this is a this is a good movie. I like this. Um, I don't know why exactly why I do, but I do. Uh, everybody else on Almost Famous. So, oh, so, but, but, so, hold on, hold on. My favorite line reading this movie is, "Do you want to see me uh, feed a snake to my rat?" Yes, that's the best <laughs> line. <laughs> So this is uh, the the second Jason Lee movie on this uh, list. That in the top ten movies of all time, Jason Lee is on. Just two wait, of them I now. have the squeak wheel coming up next. Just wait. Nice. Scott wins. Scott wins the show. Uh, <laughs> nah, it'd be funny if we did have another Jason Lee movie, though. I I would really like. Does someone have Jason Lee in another movie? Uh, Rue is looking right now. He's looking very. <laughs> he had seriously. enemy of the state, isn't he? An enemy of the state, also. Yes. Uh, yeah. oh, this isn't this isn't my favorite Cameron Crow movie, uh, but I I really do like it. And it reminds me of one of my best friends, Cal. So shout out to Cal. That's all I have to say. About is friend's name wait cow? Is that your friend's name? A cow. Sorry for my Canadian okay. accent. No, no, no. I thought you just like you had like a really shitty like hell yeah. Room. Nickname. I thought you had like yeah. a weird like discount like Doja Cat friends. Yeah, I'm cow. Moo moo. Uh, <laughs> hell yeah, cow. <laughs> no, this movie's okay. I should have stronger opinions about this because I saw this a few years ago and I loved it, but it's weird. I I lost like a lot of strong feelings for it. Not that I dislike it, but I know that when I'm going to rewatch, I'm going to give it like five stars. I'm going to fucking love it because I give it like four and a half, like five years ago. But like, hella good pick. I'll like it a lot more when I rewatch it pretty soon, relatively soon. This movie's great. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, finally saw it in the last couple of years. Um, now, the only thing for me 
it's not about the movie it's about me because it another movie starts with the word almost and i saw that movie a lot more when i was a <laughs> child so i cannot separate almost famous with almost heroes and it's horrible <laughs> uh uh but yes uh it's a great film but michael doesn't have that great quote i am a golden starfish um all right, uh, Spence, let's go to your number six. Uh, let's hope I am back in good graces. Sing straight. Yes! Yeah! Shut up, Koho. I, I had this also. <laughs> this is like a perfect coming-of-age film. I'm not going to say it's like, it, it, like a perfect piece of filmmaking, but I think at its core, it fundamentally understands what we like about coming-of-age films. Characters that we can sort of see ourselves in who are like, going through shit and not undermining what they're going through but also like it's a lot of fun so while they're depressed they're also like making cool jokes and this has maybe my favorite like original soundtrack in any movie ever that i think that well well it has some fucking bangers like i got i got into motorhead because of this fucking movie like that's that's how it, how it impacted me and then stay clean plays in the soundtrack and it's fucking awesome uh yeah <laughs> but I, every single song and yes Actually, no, okay. Other, other than other than one song, everything in it is incredible. Just a fantastic piece of music. And I, I am so, like, emphatically in love with Connor's journey. It takes, like, a very simple, like, tried and true. It's like, guy likes girl. Girl's like, eh, shitty relationship. And guy's like, you know what? I'll make a band because I want you to, like, think I'm hot. And you know what? It fucking works because John Carney knows how my brain works. John Carney makes incredible just he knows love really well i think i think this is a great companion piece for moonrise kingdom of just like knowing how like young love works and how it does feel worldly and like and they take like these big steps to make everything just sort of there like to make to make it like you know how they're feeling and it doesn't need to be the right move and i love that carney like embraces that i was like the one thing like this used to be like in my in my top three it just dropped a bit on rewatch because i don't quite love the ending because adam levine's song is not great but that is like the only thing against this film. I love living in the world that he creates. Oh, you know that we talk on a daily fucking basis. You know this about me. I had this as well a long time ago in like my eighties. Uh, it's a, it's an amazing movie, it, and this is definitely in a different camp of coming of age movies from like you know bo- the boyhoods or whatever. Like this is like this is a fairy tale, right? This is not a movie that is necessarily trying to be rooted in the real experience of teenagers um it, it is a, it is a fairy tale and when you understand it as such i think you can appreciate it a, a lot more because let's be honest this rafinha you know would never give the time of day to connor in real life um as as painful as that is to say it, it is it is true no matter how nice and sincere and good of a person he is but um it's the movies and uh, you know we need these movies as much as we need the boyhoods as well and uh, yeah, another one that just makes you feel really good. I love the songs. Yeah, not just the original songs for the movie, which are obviously good, but also the, you know, other songs of the era and everything that they use on the soundtrack. Um, yeah, the dream sequence, uh, the Drive It Like You Stole It dream sequence is beautiful, um, you know, with the Back to the Future theme and everything is, is you know, so, so much fun. And I actually do, I do love the ending because... Jack Rayner's character is probably my favorite character in the movie. Um, I just love like the wisdom that he imparts on Connor and the, you don't need to know how to play. Who are you? Steely Dan. Um, I just love that line. But um, 
also i have like uh, movies about brothers get me i have a good relationship with my brother so like the whole at the end the older brother seeing the younger brother you know achieve the dream that he wanted um but was never able to achieve and then that last end title card thing that says you know for brothers everywhere that definitely gets to me so um i i love this movie so I didn't and say Up it, is the best and, song. Yes, Joseph no, is correct. Up is my favorite song in the movie. Uh, I, I love Darling Soul. Shout out to shout out to To Find You. The underrated song makes me Great cry every fucking time I watch it. Great scene. Yeah, I love this movie. Um, it's pretty well known that I'm not a coming-of-age guy, uh, but this movie definitely doesn't write. Uh, the characters are all so good and so relatable. Uh, I love Connor. I love uh, Jack Ryder's character. Uh, that family dynamic is just feels so real, and I just love the the fact that they how they use music to to get through that pain of you know what what the what's happening within the family. Um, just the scene where the, he's sitting there watching his mom watching the you know smoke the cigarette and uh, uh, and watch the sunset is just is just that that idea of like I don't know never really understanding or being able to understand what your parents feel or what your kids feel and that. You know that divide in the family is really just present in that movie. Um, the music is great. I think my, my biggest complaint is, and you said discuss, it's not necessarily realistic, but the the how quickly they all become like fantastic musicians and are mm-hmm. able to like do yeah. all those different types of music. That's the one thing I'm always like, eh. But I can let it slide because the characters themselves, like I said, I I love the friends. The, the one I forget the character's name, uh, where the the one that knows to play all the instruments, like the real musician Amen. in the group. Yeah, Mark, Mark and um, I just love that he he's like you. Were, he, the one time he goes as high as like you want to write music, like always, and like just their <laughs> relationship is so great. Um, and yeah, I I love it. The, the ending. The, the, I, it bums me out that with all the original music, they do end with the Adam Levine song. Um, that feels like just a letdown after everything else. But the ending itself is fantastic. Um, yeah, this is a great movie. I love this one. It's in my to- high in my top one hundred. Uh, everybody else on Sing Street who didn't already have it. I haven't seen it. Uh, yeah, hmm. I, uh, I I actually haven't seen this, but uh, it's directed by John Carney, who directed uh, Once. And, and in case anyone missed it, uh, earlier in an episode, Once came up. And uh, my wife was like, how did that joke uh, uh, go over? Uh, and if you missed this joke that I made, uh, I'll repeat it. Uh, I said that I preferred the sequel two times. Boo, you suck. I prefer the sequel two times. And I said, I think it should have been called twice. And my wife said, that went over terribly, right? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it went over terribly. I actually, I got it this time. Thank you. Yeah. The best jokes are the ones you have to tell twice. Yeah, I have to tell it twice. I just need to lean into the pain. I am a twice. Yeah, yeah, I, get get it twice. I didn't get the joke. Could you could you could you begin it again? Yes, I uh, thought that the movie two times should have been called. Uh, twice. No, God, please, no. Amaru, uh, what is your number six? Uh, my six is the one that started off one of my favorite trilogies ever, Ocean's Eleven. This motherfucker, don't miss. Boom, 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 uh, boom. This to me is is basically um, this is actors getting together just to have a good ass time. There are different aspects of movie watching that people love. Like there's the fantasy for me. There's fantasy stuff. There's the comic book movie stuff. There's the action. There's the comedy. This is the epitome of just why you love movies. 
because every single person in here is just having a ball, being together, and having a good-ass time in a heist film. Um, the time, everybody's timing in this is perfect. Um, I think this is one of the most criminally underrated scores. Like, it's one of the songs you hear, oh, that's Oceans. I love the music in this film. Um, I think it's everybody at their uh, at their peak in the trilogy because it's the first time they're getting together, the way they, they, they get everybody together. Everybody gets their time to shine. As as horrible as Tony says his accent is, I love Don Cheadle's Cockney accent in this. Um, it just shows how, like, yo, I am going cool tilt into this. I am going to just – I'm getting together with my boys, and I am just going to go. Um, one of my favorite uh, – lines from this movie which kind of sums up how perfect timing every single part of this film is coming from the, like i said the score the action the just everything is when they're when they're together at danny's house um and everybody's going in the house after he says if this is not for you no troubles go ahead and bobby caldwell matt damon is uh not bobby Caldwell, linus is sitting there waiting and ellie gould comes up to him and says you're bobby caldwell son huh uh you're from Chicago. How's the weather there? And Matt Damon says, it's good. That's nice. Get in the goddamn house. And it's just so unexpected and so perfect about, you know you're along for this ride. Get your ass in the house. Do it now. And it's just little things like that that just put a smile on your face. You want to, you just ride the, the entire movie with everybody. And the just the little jokes, Rusty continuously eating Anything he gets on his hands on the entire film. I just, I love, I love the movie. Um, and um, yeah, it's just, just one of my favorite movie watching experiences. I probably have watched this more than anything else I've ever, I've ever seen. Just because how much fun I have watching this film. Anybody else have this one? Okay. Thanks to the show and Amaru. I have now seen this entire trilogy. Uh, I will say this is definitely the best one. Um, I, I wasn't a big fan of the other two. Uh, this one is has grown on me. I didn't really like this much when I first saw it. I've watched it a few times since. Um, I enjoy it more, uh, but some about it just doesn't click with me. Um, I'll die on this hill. I'm always going to be a big, bigger fan of the original uh, because uh, what? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Frank Dean and Sammy are so much cooler than George Clooney, Brad Pitt, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Matt Damon. Uh, and they always will be. Uh, that I'm always going to like that movie better. Sorry. Hey, Todd? What the fuck? Thank, Thank you. you. I will Jesus. I will die on that. I will die on that hill. Um, You're dying, for sure. Yeah. But uh, Go die, everybody Kirk. else. Everybody else on Ocean's Eleven. Wonderful movie. Um... Yeah, it just it's so effortless um, the way, you know, as as cool and vibey as it comes off, like Soderbergh is just flexing. He's like, I just got all the coolest movie stars like of this moment. I'm just going to let them do whatever they want on screen. And yeah, I mean, the, the result is basically just a hangout movie. There's like, you know, there's a heist, the heist plot and everything. But like, there's never there's not like a whole lot of suspense about like, are they going to get away with it or anything? It's like, you know, they're going to they're going to get away with it. It's just watching how they are going to get away with it. That is what is so fun. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's a cool idea for a, for a heist movie or, you know, cool concept for a heist movie. Um, and yeah, a lot of a lot of fun dialogue. 
I always the exchange of dialogue between Danny and Rusty at the end when he comes out of jail is always just funny to me or whatever. He's like, "Oh, I hope you were the groom," because he walks out wearing his tuxedo or whatever. Yeah, it, it, it's a great movie. I will Real. say, Scott, your comment on it, your 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 compliment is my problem with it. It's like, oh, we got all the coolest movie stars, and it just feels really manufactured to me. That's my that's one of my biggest issues with the movie. No, it it's perfect, it's perfect. Shout out to Bernie Mac, the legend. This is so good in this film. Rue, I really respect uh, this as your most rewatched movie. That makes like perfect sense to me. Like, of course, this is one of the most rewatchable movies. This is uh, Soderbergh, who's uh, I think of as an art house director first and foremost. Who's like, oh yeah, let me just like shit out the most like enjoyable thing that you could possibly imagine. The most like, uh, like there's so much fun filmmaking on display and and the soundtrack when you say oceans 11 i do the like doors the like do 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 and and, and i just wanted to uh, go on a classic jake tangent and say that uh, in drama class we had to read like poetry uh and i chose that song as my poetry that i i, I was reading and <laughs> uh break like i had to, to read that side. yeah break because i was like jim morrison is a poet or whatever and uh yeah uh i i remember in in that uh drama class that teacher uh very like like i'm, I'm pretty sure she had a personality disorder now that i'm older uh but yeah a very interesting uh experience <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> yeah thank you coho <laughs> i'm glad that was like a warm hug so I need to rewatch this because it is there. I, I I don't have any like bad feelings about this. I just think it's a good movie, and that's it. Great, yeah, it's fun. Uh, I, don't, I, I, I don't understand like the deep Thank love you, for Michael. this. How good is Damon at knowing that he's a movie star with like a weird like beta chip off his shoulder? Like he's so Matt good. Damon at... is a beta. You're right. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> he has beta energy. And whoa, it, whoa, it... whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> it shows up in all of the best Damon movies: The Interstellar, The Talented Mr. Ripley. Like the last duel. Uh... <laughs> he's a great beta in the last duel. <laughs> nice. Yeah, the best Damon movies. He understands that he is this guy that's supposed to be an American movie star. And he's not quite Brad Pitt or Clooney, but he wants to be. And it's just so fun that Damon understands that about his persona. All right, uh, Jake, what is your number six? Uh, My number six is a little film called Mad Max Fury Road. No, God, please, no, no, no! Shut what? up, go. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> um, so the reason that I think this is so special, first and foremost, is that if you go back to George Miller's filmography, you watch the original um, Mad Max, uh, the, it, it's remarkable how much of uh, everything that makes Fury Road incredible was in the original Mad Max, which is just this little grindhouse fucking exploitation movie that was designed to be played at drive-in theaters, and, and how much um, subtext is, is, is 
baked into this fucking thing. And and, and then just that the, the fact that this guy in his 70s doesn't miss a beat in the genre that he invented of the apocalypse, the this apocalyptic um, um, adventure movie, the, the thing that every apocalypse, every great apocalypse movie uh, post Mad Max is is based on if you you even think about like uh, Fallout or or, or most uh, video games, uh, and and the fact that not only did he not lose a beat on what made this genre that he invented so great, but that he amended what was wrong with so many of the genre movies that were coming out at the time. I'm talking about. Um, Movies that get too bogged down in their plot, in their world building, in their, oh, we need to explain every little detail. The fact that he's just like, no, in the background, there's going to be guys on fucking stilts uh, crawling through the mud, mining some shit. And that is going to be part of the fabric of the movie. And it's like, that is what I was asking for at the time that this movie came out. I'm like, why do we need every little detail explained? Just... Just, just weave it into into the the the, the fabric of the movie, and, and I will trust that you understand your world. You don't need to spell out the the Bible of your world to me. If you know that in your heart, which I believe George Miller does after seeing this movie, it will be expressed in this giant chase sequence that he constructs, and that is exactly what he did. That's exactly why I love this movie. Uh, yeah, I I could talk on and on about this movie, but I won't. Kirk. Um, this movie is, as we're seeing, very divisive. Um, I come down somewhere in the middle. I think it's a really cool, really fun action movie. I think it's a really good idea, just like the constant chase. Um, I saw it on the big screen. It was a great big screen movie. Um, at the same time, I don't think it's some fantastic masterwork. I don't think it's the greatest like action or sci-fi movie ever. I don't think it redefined anything. I just thought it was a really fun, really good movie. Um, but yeah, I enjoy it. Like the the just the the the, the constant like the the inertia this movie has, just like the constant motion and just the the way that works into the action and just you know the, the fights on the trucks and everything. A lot of fun. Uh, it's a very fun movie. Uh, what, when is just for the behind the scenes though? When has that ever happened that a master in their seven Scorsese? I guess, but yeah, that's. Oh no! Sorry. I mean, it's 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 crazy what Miller's still able to do at his age. Yeah, I mean, it's de that's definitely a feat. I'll give you that. Uh, everybody else on Fury Road. I, I just want to go ahead, Spence. I used to agree with Coho. This was like one of the most overrated movies of the 2010s, and I think fundamentally it just got to the point where like I understand why now Coho doesn't like it. Coho doesn't understand that you can just like action movies that don't really have a script because Ooh, you suck. Coho, your hate for this is bullshit and you know it. Ooh, you suck. <laughs> I think Spence left. Um, yeah, I will, it there. I just want to say the only place th this community is the only place that this movie is divisive. Let's not let's not act like this Thank movie you. is like one of the most divisive movies ever. This community is the only place that it's divisive because for some reason there's like four or five people who don't appreciate this for what it is, which is objectively one of the best action movies ever made. Um, I love this movie. The only thing that keeps it from being in my top 100 is I actually love the characters and the world and everything i'm so fascinated by them so much that i want a little bit more of them and a little bit less of the 
mind-blowing action um in a way even even though the action obviously is incredible that's the only thing that stops it from being in the top in my top 100 but again objectively on a technical level it's it is absolutely incredible and um i actually think tom hardy doesn't get enough credit because he's like not the main character as everyone expected uh but i think he gives a really good performance as max and he even adds like some droll humor to the movie which i think is very welcome and another thing, uh, I, uh, I think this is legitimately like one of the best action movies ever, purely from its composition of like, and I, and I do like what Jake's saying, just like, it's a movie that, that doesn't say like, hey, we, we need all this deep, intense backstory about how, where everything comes from. I would like more of that, like, like Scott, but I think that same movie is bad because it doesn't under, like, it doesn't explain its world when it doesn't really need to, I think is a weird, like, Oh, it was bad because the screenplay is like a fault. That's it's like Miller fundamentally understands composition. It is one of the best looking movies ever. Period. Maybe the best action in any movie ever. Period. Because of the way that he perfectly balances um, CGI practical effects to the point that you can't tell the difference. Other than the shitty fucking tornado, you don't know what's real and what's fake. And that's what's Fair. amazing about the film. Some of the best color grading. Like this. This is a movie where it's like te- it's technical yeah. feats are. Top tier, literally, possibly the best ever, and I think they're saying like, "Oh, script bad, movie bad." I don't fucking get. I do not fucking get. Coho is it's like I get that like, "Oh, I have wrong opinions." And the script isn't bad. Coho, your opinion is wrong on this. You are just incorrect about this film. I was one of the people who first. You suck. (laughs) I was one of those first time I saw it. I thought it was the biggest overhyped piece of mediocrity ever. I saw it again, and I was like, what were you thinking? This is a masterful film, uh, story-wise, and especially technically and, uh, and action-wise. It is objectively one of the greatest action films ever. Doesn't it just warm your guys' heart that someone on a shoestring budget who financed this with their friend's money, like, actually in their, like, they, it carried over into the modern times that they just had that skill in the medium that we all love? That is what is so special. That's all I wanted to say. All right. Uh, everybody's number six. Scott, Almost Famous. Spence, Sing Street. Armor, Ocean's Eleven. Jake, Fury Road. Chat, let us know who had the best number six. While we're at it, we are halfway through the top ten. So, reminder, join us next week for the recap show. These guys will all be here. Uh, the spring top 100 cast will be here. Uh, we're going to compare notes, compare lists. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you check out that one. Moving on to the top five. Scott, start us off. Did anyone guess my hint? I forget it. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> well, it was a picture of a baby carriage uh, from the iconic train station scene. Oh, is it it's in about ship Potankin? The Untouchables. <laughs> nice. Scott, it's a reference. It, it borrows from Battleship Potemkin, yes. Um you know, we talk nowadays about directors doing a one for, you know, one for me, one for them. This movie was Brian De Palma's one for them. And it is probably the greatest one for them ever because it not only is it a one for them, right? It is a it is probably his most mainstream, conventionally enjoyable movie um, that he has made. But it is still a Brian De Palma movie through and through. And his style is what makes this more than just a pure entertainment, which it 
absolutely is from beginning to end. Um, but you just don't get like that train station scene, for example, in um, in in you know your average gangster movie, um, your average crime crime movie. That 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 is all De Palma. Like the patient suspense of that scene is amazing. The way those like when the action finally breaks out, like that shot of Kevin Costner and he just like, it's his face. And then he just like holds up the shotgun and like that starts it all. It's such a, it's just a perfect shot. Um, that whole scene is amazing. The whole movie is, it's kind of a, it's almost like a Western in a way. Like you have this sort of gang of, um, you know, lawmen from all different backgrounds. You have Andy Garcia as like the cop in training. You have Sean Connery as the veteran beat cop. You know, Kevin Costner, like, sure, he can be a wooden actor sometimes, but the movie actually utilizes that to its benefit, right? Because Elliot Ness, like, is kind of, like, wooden. He's, like, this overly sincere. Like, you know, there's the early scene of him driving the snowplow, and he's like, let's do some good, right? And, like, it's played to be purposefully cheesy. I mean, like, the guys are making fun of him about it ever uh, afterward. And so, like, I think it, it really um plays into to maybe costner's limitations as an actor sometime uh sometimes and it's a you know it's a really interesting story albeit heavily embellished for this movie um and you know again c combining de palma's style and sensibilities with uh david mamet who you know is an all-time great screenwriter and his sharp dialogue um i love that you know the just the dialogue in that opening scene between al capone and the reporters when he's like being shaved um and you know there's the cut he's he's cut while shaving and then you know it's there's like this moment of like oh no is he about to freak out and go crazy on all these people it's so good um this has been one of my favorite movies since I was in, you know, high school and middle school. You know, some of these other movies I've talked about, like it's one of those that like, or, you know, some of them could rotate in and out of my top 10 as time goes on. This is one that has always been there. It was in fact, my favorite movie at one point. Um, it's fallen off, you know, from that, from the top of the heap, but um, you know, now, uh, it, it is still one that will always be in my top 10. I feel like it is, you know, just a, a pure entertainment and also an extremely well-made uh, movie um, with the director's signature style written all over it. So it is, it is, you know, it is the, like I said, is an ideal of what a one for them can be. This movie has a lot going for it. Um, I think that the script is great. The direction is great. Supporting cast is great. Uh, especially Connery is obviously fantastic in this. Um, my problem with it, what holds it back for me in the top 100 for me is Kevin Costner. Um, it kind of collapsed under the weight of him. I, mean, I think Costner is carved from the same tree that Richard Gere was. Um, I mean, good. when an actor plays Elliot Ness, Robin Hood, and Wyatt Earp as the exact same guy, there's a problem. Um, but yeah, I think anybody else in that role, and I think this is an all-time classic, and it is still a really solid movie, um, but just the fact that it's weighs so heavily on that character, um, I don't think Costner pulls it off, um, so that's just, that's the biggest downside for me. Um, otherwise, really solid movie. Uh, everybody else on the Untouchables. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of De Palma, and this is a huge inflection point in his filmography, where um, this is the movie that kind of uh, uh, allows him to make the flops that that will follow. Uh, 
particularly Casualties of War, which is a great movie, and then um, into uh, some of the more uh, nasty movies that I I obviously just gravitate towards because I'm a fan of, uh, yeah, just uh, I'm a fan of excess. Uh, Snake Eyes is one of my favorite uh, Tapamas. But uh, yeah, uh, me and my friend in high school, we had to watch this in school for uh, some reason. A teacher, a substitute teacher put it on at one point. And uh, forever, uh, me and my buddy in high school would punch each other in the shoulder. But before we do it, we'd say, here's your permit in a Sean Connery voice <laughs> and punch each other. Because <laughs> he says, here's your permit and holds a permit up and punches someone in the face, <laughs> which I really love. This is, uh, did Connery win an Oscar for this? He did, yeah. A lifetime achievement Oscar, but still a really fun performance. No, he deserved it. He deserved it. A really fun performance. <laughs> sure. I, I respect this choice. I should really see this movie. It is, in fact, there. I I don't get it. Like, I really don't. It's, like, it's fine. Like It's good. I don't get why it's great. The, the, the actual fucking baby carriage scene, it's pretty good. De Niro's Capone, pretty good. I just don't like any strong emotions towards it. Uh, Joseph, he doesn't have an accent in the movie. He talks in his normal Sean Connery voice, even though he's supposed to be Irish. <laughs> that is my take. <laughs> That's how Sean Connery sounds. What the fuck do you expect? <laughs> All right, uh, Spence, what is your number five? So, Scott, I know you keep shitting on your picks, but what do you think about a little fucking nerd beating up a girl's boyfriend's? Scott Pogan versus the world. Nice. Hey! Let's go, Rue. Let's go, Rue. This is maybe the perfect example of great movie with some heavy faults. Namely, Scott Pilgrim, pedal character. Shit, dude. Don't want to see him win. But you know what? I'm fucking there for it. This is maybe the most... Actually, that's not true. In my lifetime, I think it's maybe the most strong directorial voice in a film. I think that this is Edgar Wright's most Edgar Wright film. And I love it because of that. I think he fully understands how to make a moviegoer happy and throws everything at it. The action is incredible. I think his pacing of dialogue is fantastic. There's there's like a cadence to the film that I think always just works and it's incredible michael sarah i think he's great as the role and i think he really does understand the character of just like this pathetic like 20 something loser who's like yeah maybe high schooler but it's fine because she's like technically legal and he and that's his entire attitude the entire film just like i I guess yeah this is just me it's 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 there and the fact that it motivates the entire story really just like Wait, I have to be challenged for this? I mean, I might as well. My internet's bad. Uh, it's just an incredible film. I, it's some of my favorite actions, some of my favorite dialogues, some of my favorite direction in any film ever. Intensely rewatchable. This to me is like not a perfect movie, but like a movie made for me. Your top five movie of all time. Great movie with a lot of heavy faults. That's that's that's, that's I, top, I, I, I that's top argument. Five. I can love a film with faults to make me like it more. Top top five all time. Um yeah, I like this movie despite 
everything this community has done to make me not like it or just be sick of it. Um, it does have faults. I think the characters, whether or not, you know, the, the big debate is like, you know, do they, you know, is, is, he, is he supposed to be that guy, whatever. Whether or not the movie glorifies what he does or not, I still have to sit there and watch him do everything. Um, so it's, it's, it, that's not fun. Like, just, it's, it's like a lot of unlikable characters in this movie, um, uh, that we're following. And that's like probably the biggest problem for me. I think the action is fun. Like the whole video game style, the way it's done is, is really interesting to call it the most Edgar Wright movie is kind of crazy because the most Edgar Wright movies are the Cornetto trilogy. And that's like pretty on brand. Um, but it's still, it's, it's good. I mean, top five, top five is, is kind of nuts, but it's a good movie. Everybody else with Scott Pilgrim. Jake's supposed to stir it. I will say, uh, fuck Scott Pilgrim, fuck Enid from Ghost World, Wallace Wells from President. This movie is really, really good. Uh, yeah, as as a Canadian, uh, I represent uh, the. I, I love the representation of uh, Pizza Pizza and uh, all of our. Um, like just just being able to recognize Toronto playing Toronto is great, which uh, also happens to to be another uh, feature of Videodrome. Um, I think of this movie as a pretty important, uh, like um, uh, cornerstone of the like of 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 millennial cinema. Where it is mashing together all of these references, it is it is very post internet. It is very post online, where uh, like Seinfeld can just they can just jump into a Seinfeld reference for uh, thirty seconds, and that's the coolest fucking thing in the world. I I, I love the the manga or comic book series, whatever you want to call it, and uh, yeah, it also uh, features a reference to my number one film of all time on this list, uh, a very key visual reference that Edgar Wright has spoken at length about. So oh, I yeah, am Legend very excited for that. Pardon? Legend of Zelda, right? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, I won't say anymore because my movie's obscure enough that I'm not worried that you guys are going to be like, well, you're obviously talking about Citizen Kane. <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I, I think I actually know what yours is, Jake. But um, oh, thank you. But, <laughs> but yeah, I uh, this is a really fun movie. It's a lot better than it should have been. Um, at the same time, it's no classic for me. Uh, you know, I, I think it's it's fun, but not anything that's that's super rewatchable. I, that's kind of how I feel about a lot of Wright's movies. Like I think they're really well done. I like the way he's able to elevate, you know, genre movies, but there's none of them that are really my favorites, unfortunately. But maybe that means the best is yet to come. I thought it was going to come this year, but uh, well, that didn't happen. Me and Scott have talked a lot of shit about last night in Soho <laughs> in private. <laughs> All right. Uh, nice. Amaru, number five, please. Avengers Infinity War. This motherfucker don't miss. Oh, shit. Avengers Infinity War. Uh, Endgame is the experience. Endgame is the moment. But Infinity War is the movie. It is so damn good. Um, I like the take. I love the take that this is actually a Thanos movie. 
and we're watching his progression uh, and his story throughout it while the Avengers are trying to stop him. Um, it's it's just so I, I I I don't know what else to say about it, but just one of the best villains um, in the MCU and comic books, one of the top villains ever. Uh, Josh Brolin's voice was kind of perfect for how menacing and how thoughtful um, he seems like a dude who would just sit there and sit everywhere and wait for you to fuck shit up so he can fuck shit up. Um, uh, I think Robert Downey Jr., um, outside of the last scene in Endgame, this might be one of his best acted roles in Iron Man. Um, uh, and it still has the MCU humor. It still has the the great action sequences. I love the Doctor Strange uh, versus Thanos fight where the gauntlet goes up against the um, the, the, the Eye of Agamotto and the Cloak of Levitation. Um, especially when he goes to uh, a whole bunch of, uh, Dr. Strange's. Um, and I, I just, I, I, I don't know what else to say about it besides that. I just absolutely love the impact of this film, the weight of this film, the fact that they ended it, uh, on, on the way they ended it, that Thanos is winning. Um, and it means something because they did follow through with it. But even so, even if Endgame never came out and for some reason we never saw it, the weight that that still had the the feeling of what the fuck just happened still hits you and still hits you hard um and uh the mr stark i don't want to go it, it hits me every every single time um this movie is incredible yeah i like it i really like it for me. Well, the first time i watched it, i wasn't too sure about it. second time i was like yeah this is this is uh they did this right just the fact again i think maybe even more so than endgame uh the fact that they give everybody something to do mm -hmm. and everybody has a purpose and everybody has a moment um only thing I, and this may this probably cross over more in endgame i i i bums me out that the whole uh bruce banner hulk thing never really pays off that's the one thing yeah the, the um, one that they start that off so well and then yeah. you never really that would be the one critique. Yeah, I wish we got more of him. It never so goes that comes later. I would say, the one thing I would say as far as the ending goes, I don't think we fully get the payoff until endgame. Because like I said, when I'm watching Infinity War, it's like all these people are dying. It's like, okay, half these characters that just got dusted have their own movies coming up on the slate. So yeah. we know they're not going. So I don't think the weight of that fully came in until endgame. We're like, oh wow, this really is happening they're not just gonna go back on it right away like they gotta earn that return and um so i i, I don't think that's complete without endgame um i do prefer i, I like endgame better but i i respect the take that this movie kind of does the heavy lifting for endgame uh so having that you know you only have four space support so it's not like it's a huge thing um but no i like i said i respect the take everybody else on infinity war anyone uh yeah i really like the movie um i agree with kirk's take though i do think the ending rings a little bit hollow even at the time even in the context of endgame just because yeah you always knew that they were going to come back so that that is the one thing for me but it still has some of the best mcu moments thor appearing in wakanda um is definitely probably the highlight of the movie for me but yeah again they they do a really good job of balancing all of the storylines in 
this movie and Endgame. Like I, yeah, I like the way they, you know, sort of break up the characters into different teams. I, I mean, I think that's the the right approach for having letting everyone have their moment in the spotlight. Yeah, I, uh, I, um, I don't really care that much about this movie. I, I think it's, uh, it's like cool to make like it's important because Thanos wasn't really a thing until this movie, and you need to make him a thing before Endgame. But uh, yeah, Amaru, I, I don't want to go too hard, but I do think it's a crime to put Endgame and Infinity War both in your top 10 movies of all time God. that's just hey todd what the fuck you know no it's definitely <laughs> in both of the I, top 10 I, I i'm sorry endgame is obviously the better movie and, and i just feel putting infinity war above it first of all that's insane and then like putting both of them it's like pick one and it could kind of represent both of them or also 90 percent of the time i have no idea what the fuck i'm talking about they Whatever. are completely they are completely different movies yes they go hand in hand but infinity war is easily the better made film all right i didn't want to pick like three brad bird movies that's how i felt wait wait jake is brad bird your favorite director no, it happened over and over again where I was like, I am not picking like four Tarantino <laughs> movies, you know, like, right? Doesn't everyone have this where it's like, I'm not picking a bunch of the same auteur over and over again. No, Jake, I, we, we, took, we picked our top nope. favorite movies. That's how the show <laughs> yes. there was. There was no quotas involved in this movie. None, none. And right, I, but, I wonder how Scott, you feel about my, on this. my last four. And uh, Joseph... Yeah, maybe I, not easily, but I think Infinity War. I don't back you up, Jake, because I've had like six Linklater movies. <laughs> yeah, you have had so many Linklater. Oh my god, you should be canceled for the amount of Linklater you've had. <laughs> All right, Jake, give us your number five. More to Wait, come. I don't think Adelaide oh, is good. Oh, Adelaide, did you talk about this one yet? I've never cried more in a theater than watching fucking Black Panther and Spider-Man die. Okay, back to the post. Like again, these movies are fucking poetic for me. I was in there watching the movie, crying my eyes out in the post-credit scene. I forget what it fucking was. It was only for Ant-Man or some shit. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I didn't know they're alive. Just it's Captain Marvel. My eyes out. It's the Captain Marvel beeper. Right. Fuck that. And with my roommate and his friend next to me, and they're like, you okay? I'm just crying my eyes out. This movie's great. Never to MCU. All right, Jake, now give us your five. Okay. My number five. Scheider. Dreyfus. Shaw. Jaws. No yikes. Wow. I'm the only one that has Jaws. I should automatically. I'm sorry. There's rumors we don't have four spots higher. What? <laughs> <laughs> Jaws. Jaws. No, your first one. Jaws. It just changes movies. Uh, it, it, it's um, a, a very simple premise. Uh, a, a sheriff moves to a small town and uh, a, a shark is eating. Um, what's he? Kirk, what's he eating again? People. Yes, people. Yes, and he has to. The sheriff has to make the shark stop eating the people. <laughs> and it's a very good film about that. Um, 
Yeah, this thing is just uh, uh, perfect for me. Uh, whenever I think about how much I love this movie, I think about the scene where um, uh, where Shaw and Dreyfus are comparing their uh, uh, scars, and uh, Dreyfus points to a scar and just says, "This is where she broke my heart." And it's they—that's where they bond. This this uh, nerdy um, fish hunter and this um, grizzled old uh, vet. And um, Scheider is is right there in the middle. And uh, the comparison of the id, the ego, and the superego has been made a thousand times. Not interesting to say it again. But yeah. And something that I can't help but think about every time I watch this movie is that the crew of Jaws said that um, Spielberg just uh, spoke the language of cinema fluently, where they would just show up on the day and he'd be like, here's where the camera goes. And uh, I, I just feel like that reads in every single shot of this movie of a hungry young Spielberg being like, no, there's a correct spot where the camera goes and this is it. And this is where it goes, obviously. And uh, Alfred Hitchcock famously loved this movie so much that uh, he was given the chance to meet Spielberg and said, no, I don't want to meet him. And they were like, why? And he's like, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by how fucking good this movie is. So yeah, Jaws. I don't know. Spielberg was too, uh, or uh, Hitchcock was too embarrassed to meet Spielberg. So why isn't it on everyone's top 100? That's what I want to know. Uh, yeah, this movie's great. I mean, there's just so many great part. Like, I, I, you bring up the Hitchcock thing. It's, it, it does have a lot of very, you know, Hitchcockian aspects. I mean, it, ha it has the vertigo shot at one point. Um, but I mean, I think a little now less the jaw shot. Yeah. It just has the, um, just a lot of the character moments, the interactions. I just love like those very Spielberg moments, like when they're all talking, when the mayor's there, they're having like three or four conversations going on a lot of time, uh, at one time. Uh, and just everything, the build up on the, t you know, to the town and just that idea of, that his one fear is the you know, the sheriff's come to this town. His one fear is the water, and that's what he has to deal with. Um, I think it's just such a great little character thing. And then just the second half of the movie, when you bring those three together, you talked about that moment in the boat where they're they're singing the songs, and they're uh, then they compare in scores, and then it turns that gets real dark real fast. He starts talking about the the USS Indianapolis. Um, it's it just just so many great moments in this movie. Just action, character, story, uh, direction, um, score. Obviously, jo great John Williams score. I mean, that that's the John Williams uh, just creates the soundtrack of something, like the sound of something, and that is just like that 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 jaw score is just like the the sound of tension and fear and dread. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it's on my top one hundred. Not super high. Um, but I reckon it's one of my son's favorite movies and I recognize it as a, uh, just as a, near, as a near perfect movie. Everybody else on Jaws. Best movie ever. Yes. I believe on top 100, like top 100. If Andrew Barr made the list, I get why it's here. Favorite it wouldn't be on mine, but I get it. It's a it's an amazing film. You say this right as Barr shows up in the chat. Um, <laughs> I just haven't watched this in a long time. I think that's the problem because it's it is more of a character piece than it is an action movie. And so I think I would appreciate it now more than I did when I watched it when I was younger and wanted the action. So that's really what's holding it back for me. 
I've never seen it. Ooh. Wow! I've never wanted. I've that never might, wanted. I've that never might wanted be the biggest shocker of the sh- of the series. I don't want to wow. be one of those fucking guys that's like <laughs> you've never seen Jaws. But come on. Hey, man. let's remember that nobody else had uh, the Godfather or Twelve Angry Men or Goodfellas besides me. You didn't have the Godfather Part Two, so. I mean, that's a lot true. of a lot of people didn't have a lot of things in this show. Let's be fair. Yes. Um, you didn't have Sweeney Todd. Yeah. yeah. Hey, no, that's true. no one hey. had Sweeney Todd. No uh, one. None of us. Oh, you wait. didn't have Dude Bro Party Massacre Three. Go fuck yourself. Hey, hey Bar, you just got here. Uh, Spence had Sweeney Todd at number seven. So if you want to give your rant on that now, I was hoping you'd be here for the uh, actual discussion, but. Feel free to uh, put your thoughts in the comments now because I know you have a lot. Uh, that was Jake's number five. So number fives were Scott, The Untouchables, Spence, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Amaru, Infinity War, and Jake had Jaws. Chat was the best number five. Uh, nom nom. Scott, give us your number four in the meantime. And Kathy, yes, I have seen Jaws. Uh, if that wasn't sorry, if that wasn't clear. Uh, all right, well, Jake sets him up, and I knock him down. My number four, uh, Richard Linklater's Before Sunset. Hell yeah. <laughs> Go to jail. <laughs> uh, the best, my favorite Linklater movie, the best movie and the best trilogy of all time, um, the most romantic movie ever, in my opinion, uh, in a mere 82 minutes or something. Like, uh, he makes you, you feel it all. Um, and it is... It's such a brilliantly composed film because he, you know, very deliberately does everything without it ever seeming like, like, it just seems like you're just watching a conversation between two people. But there are just little subtle things like, you know, you don't find out, for example, that Jesse and Celine are now both in relationships um, when they, you know, have gotten back together now after eight years, um, after nine years, sorry. Um until like 40 something minutes into the movie. And that's because that is very strategically done by Linklater, right? Like he wants you to get swept away in the conversation just as the two of them are getting swept away and, you know, each other serendipitously as they did nine years ago. Um, and then, you know, so you think, right, again, the enemy is the clock, right? In the first movie, the enemy was the clock. They got to get on the train the next day and that's it. In this movie, it seems like, oh, the enemy is the clock again, right? Uh, Jesse has to get on the plane and leave, um, you know, in just a few hours. But then a whole new enemy is introduced into the the movie. And, you know, it's it, it you know, there's a whole dr- new dramatic tension as soon as we find out about, you know, the current state of both of these people. And, um, you know, again, it, it's brilliantly done to give the movie plot and dramatic tension and suspense without their ever without compromising the free-flowing conversational feel of the movie that um you know he's obviously going for um and go watch the lessons from the screenplay video on youtube about this movie um it's definitely my favorite of their videos and it just it shows you know just how perfect like the symmetry is in this movie and the other movies again like i said with sunrise like it's an amazing movie the first time you watch it but when you go back and watch it after having seen the whole trilogy, it just takes on a whole new dimension when you see how well everything is set up. Um, and also my favorite ending to any movie um, when 
They're up in Celine's apartment. That last line, that final shot of Ethan Hawke, could not be more perfect. Um, yeah, my, fa- my it's my it's my favorite ending of any movie. Um, this movie is just like it's an act of witchcraft. Like again, and and having the actors write the dialogue, I think this time around they didn't for the first movie, but they did for Sunset and, Mid- and Midnight. Um, you know, it just makes it all the more rich. It just makes the conversations feel all the more natural and realistic. I mean, it is truly some of the best dialogue in any movies that you will, you know, find is in the whole before trilogy. And, you know, this one is my favorite because it is the one that where you feel the the best at the end of the movie. I think all three of them are technically, you know, perfect. Um, but Midnight just doesn't make the list because it's hard to watch for obvious reasons. But uh, Sunset flawless i was wondering if, if sun if sunset was someone or whatever was ahead out of this uh this is like the perfect week to bring this up because i just talked about how uh the prestige is i just think it was the best screenplay ever which 50 50 now this is honestly up there i think this is an example of a film which honestly has no flaws has no fat has nothing wrong with it it is clean. It is precise. Kirk is it makes dying. every minute of its like fucking like eighty minute runtime work, and it's incredible. Even like um, go watch the video store. When I when I did monologuing, I picked um, I I, I picked the monologue in the car. I'm just like this is incredible. Oh, so and good. Julie Delpit just somehow mass like again speaking from youth, somehow mastered that feeling of um like hopelessness in romance as an adult of every person every person after they brought out with me that was someone they married and they said that i taught them how to love and why could no one feel that for me and that attitude of just separation after she after she hasn't seen ethan hawk in nine years is brutal and i and it's so it's so crazy to me that somehow again in like 80 minutes you were able to transform this from this couple who like should hate each other because they ruin each other's like romantic lives to how we get to the order of it to, to the end of the film. It's incredible filmmaking by far Linklater's best film. This is maybe even the best film of the two thousands, like at least top three. It's incredible filmmaking. I watched this movie for the first time this week. And as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, I'm so glad for these characters that they found each other again. Because I can't imagine that there's anyone on the planet who would tolerate their incessant, nonstop blathering than each other. Um, this movie, if you haven't seen this movie, I'm assuming, Rue, that you, at least you haven't. If you haven't seen it, I'm going to save you 82 minutes. It's no. basically this. Hey, you. nice to see you no. again. Hey, nice to see you again. Blah, 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 the end. That's the entire movie. This movie so well captures the idea of running into somebody that you haven't seen in a while. It's kind of awkward. And you just let whatever verbal diarrhea flow out of your mouth to avoid the like awkward silence. Um, Scott, you talk about how long it takes for you to find out they're in relationships because they instantly stop just mindless chattering forever because that's what these characters do. Just talking about nothing. It's like worse than a Seinfeld episode. They just blather on about nothing forever. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm in a relationship a little bit later on. Um, yeah, I, I actually can forgive the first movie more because in the first movie, 
they are a they're at least uh young like college age kids and like people that age like feel they have a lot to say and it's all important and that's comes off very obvious in that movie you're in your damn 30s by this time like fall out of love with the sound of your own voice um it's i i i just cannot fathom why people enjoy these movies um there there there's just nothing it's just two people inane babbling brooks going on about absolutely nothing and i don't care about their relationship i don't care about anything they have to say because they're not saying anything interesting it's nothing interesting it just just hey here's a topic let's talk about the environment let's talk about smoking and it's just oh my god it's it's the worst it's the absolute worst um like I, 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 I hated I'm this one. I hated the first one, and I hate this one so much more. Um, I want to see the third one just because I, I, I'm curious to see the third one. And that's something too. That's something too. Going into this movie, Kirk I was like, like the third one. Actually, it, going in, going into this one, I'm like, they have to do something different. Like, it can't just be them talking the entire time. And it is. It's just, oh my god, it just, oh. I just, I, I, it, it just, the idea that anyone would enjoy these movies blows my mind. How about the idea that like everyone enjoys them? That, that kills me. That, that is insane. That's, I'm Roddy Piper with the sunglasses. How do you not see how dull and boring and pointless these movies are? Um, Jake and Rui, you got anything to say about these movies? I haven't seen it. Uh, now I wish I had They Live on this list because this is the second time that you mentioned the sunglasses and They Live fucking rules. Uh, yeah, I think this is the best one. I was trying to get my, my I'm going to get my wife to watch these at some point because we're we're planning on our, our, our trip to Europe and I'm like, this is the vibe. This is the vibe of what you want when you go on a, a, a travel. You just want to want to shoot off and talk some shit and obviously you guys no, I obviously love the sound of my own own voice after suffering through ten it's episodes all here. of BB. Pardon? It's why we're all here. Oh, thank you, Scott. And I actually love the I sound didn't mean of all your, your voice. Guys. We all love the sound. Yeah, of yeah. Uh, no, I mean, thank you for. Yeah, it's true though. And uh, yeah, I, I do. I do really uh, appreciate Kirk's uh, take on how much he hates Linklater, though. I think it's fun how different someone can interpret that. I I really like when someone has like a different take on a, a especially a director's entire filmography that I'm just like, yeah, I can't argue with that, but I like it. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Oh, uh, also, I was wondering in before midnight is it because uh ethan hawk uh murders julie delphi in that movie is that what you were talking about oh spoiler spoiler <laughs> you mean something happens anything happens that'd be great the, see, the scene where he eats her spleen is really hard to watch yeah <laughs> to turn his audio back right then <laughs> rue what do you got on this one I haven't seen it. You're good. You're good. Is uh, there another Avengers movie? Spitz, what is your number four? 